Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to History Dweebs. I'm Nina Instead. You may know me from my podcast, Already Gone, with Timmy out adventuring in Europe. I stepped in to co-host the show this week. You, you you came in to try to hurt us together. You, this might be the one. Well, no, you've done live shows with us before, haven't you? I have. Yeah, so we have now. You've done two live shows. This will be our third classy show. Oh, good lord! Well, you're such a kiss ass. Classy's relative. <laughs> well, well, we're calling today's show the. The Colonel's three-way. No, we're, we're not calling it that at all. Oh, dear God. Ever. That's what other people would be calling Nobody's it. Nobody's going to call it that. But anyway, go ahead. Kim said something about tag-teaming, but I didn't get into that. Yeah, that was part of the deal, I thought. It was... No. I don't, I don't get much out of this show, but every once in a while, Timmy throws me a bone. Nope, nope. No. No. He does? OMG. So you do two podcasts, I know, the one long form, and you have a a second one long form coming up. I have a second season of Don't Talk to Strangers coming out in December. Cool. We'll have to look for it. More dead kids. Yeah, more dead kids. It's what everybody wants to hear about. Well, we we have, uh, Chuck and I have decided... uh, unanimously that we will no longer be doing dead kids on this show and we're going to revolt against Timmy if he tries to give us that script again because we don't like it yeah. at all yeah last week the San Ysidro San, San shooting it, it's hard to be funny when you're doing shows like don't that like it. people just go in for a quarter pounder and nope. So Make we'll news. leave we'll leave those kinds of shows to yeah. you, my love. Hey, you know, McGiver. Oh, thanks. Give her. I appreciate <sighs> that. No. Very generous. I would like I would like to let people know that this is a uh this is a true crime slash comedy podcast. And as such, occasionally we touch on dark themes and well, having the devil on the show, there's occasional, well, a lot of foul language. So if that offends you, um, well, 
if it offends somebody, what would you what would you advise them to do, Miss Nina? Uh, they can fuck right off. <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> See that that just made the yeah. show. That just made the show. That was made it um, for me. Of course, it did. All right, who? What are we doing today? So, well, we are talking about old Hollywood. Which, honestly, you may not know this, and I don't think Timmy knew this when he selected this topic. I love old Hollywood stuff. Oh, cool. Like, if I didn't do a true crime podcast, I would tell stories of old Hollywood. Because I just think it's super cool. Cool. I heard Milton Berle had a giant... Oh, my God. Monster (laughs) thing there. Yeah. Yeah, there was a quote about him... When when he said, "Well, yeah, come on, show us, show us," and he said, "I'm just going to pull out enough to win." <laughs> Gross! Why would you ever want to look at Milton Berle's wiener? Ever? What? Well, well, as long as you look from the neck down, I suppose. Oh my god! But I guess if you look like that, you got to offer something. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> who's next? Do- god Don doesn't Knox? give with both hands, devil. I- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet, I bet Barney Fife was hung like a mule. Oh my God! <laughs> so I have slept in his bed, in Barney Fife's bed. Have you now? Was there an imprint? I was know. there an imprint? Big old, big old wiener imprint on the bed. <laughs> there was no peen print. No. Nice. No, but a family friend. Her dad grew up with him. Like they grew up together in West Virginia, and uh, when I stayed at their house, I slept in the room that he always slept in. So yeah, Barney Fife. Nice, weird, but nice. Yeah, yeah. Weird. All right. So who are we talking about? Don Knotts. Yes. Well, today we are talking about Jean Harlow. I. She was the first blonde bombshell. I love Jean Harlow. She's not, no, that's not. Who am I thinking of that was Mommy Dearest? Joan Crawford. There we go. Okay, thank you. It wasn't clicking for me at all. It's early. You would love Mommy Dearest. I can see that. (laughs) She's the reason I don't buy wire hangers. (laughs) (laughs) That reminded me of my childhood too much. Same. All right. So let's talk about Jean Harlow. So Jean Harlow was one of Hollywood's biggest stars, but her life off the set was anything but glamorous. She was pressured to succeed by her overzealous stage mom, and Jean continued to maintain an unrelenting production schedule despite her failing health. I feel like I would be a stage mom if my kids had talent or anything like that. I don't think think her mom cared if she had talent and and we're gonna we're gonna get to that her mom was a piece of work i would totally be you know i heard marilyn monroe i heard marilyn monroe had poor hygiene okay no they said marilyn monroe sometimes would go four five six days without a bath i don't i don't know that's ew america's one of the only places i think that everybody showers every day like it's a thing we're weird about that kind of stuff yeah but that's what I heard. I don't know that that's true. Now, see, I don't wash my hair every day. Well, you don't have that much to wash. I shower every day, but I don't. Nice. Well, I don't wash saying. my hair every day because I I try to keep some body in it. 
you know. And there's three little strands that you, you wash it every day. It <laughs> it dries it out. <laughs> it's bad for your scalp. You need to use baby shampoo. Like gives you some Johnson. I do use Johnson's. baby shampoo. <laughs> I get you. You the one that needs some Johnson and Johnson. Maybe if you got some Johnson, you'd be in a little bit better mood. Wouldn't be all cranky here on a Sunday morning. That's not even true. I would totally be in a cranky mood all of the time. <laughs> so there you go. And don't be mad at me just because your hair's running away from the, your face. My, ha- what? My hair's just fine. Mm-hmm. I got a cut yesterday. The lady was running her fingers through it saying how thick and luxurious it was. No, she wasn't. You were paying right. her. And she's not a hairdresser. <laughs> So, <laughs> no, she's not actually. But she so I mean, you know, you got that going for you. But any anyway, it was four dollars. I bet it was. I bet it. What you paid four dollars for a haircut? Don't even want to know what he got for four dollars. God, even if it was a haircut, Jesus Christ, for four dollars, that just shows how much hair I you would have. Hair for four dollars just shows how much hair he well, has. You know. This reminds me of a, a, just not to get off the subject oh, here, but. Sure. I had to go to court in Butler County one time and I was, I was approached in the, uh, parking lot by a young lady who was offering some services for $10. And Butler County, that's mm-hmm. cheap. Well, and. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, no, and then I said, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not really interested. And then she dropped herself down to $5. And I said, no, you know, I'm kind of running behind. I got a little th- things. To do. I was trying to be polite, you know. And, and and then she dropped herself down to $3. Um. Okay. Now, $3. Think that through. Now, if this woman would have come up to me and said, sir, for $50, I will change your life. I will give you an experience you have never dreamed of in your whole life. You know, of course, in the front seat of your car, because, yeah. But whatever. What? Had she said that, that may have intrigued me and piqued my interest a little bit. I'm not saying I would have given somebody $50, no. She's a daytime but, hooker. I don't know what you're expecting. Daytime hookers. In the parking lot of a Yeah, daytime house. hookers I'm, are not great. I'm just saying when you talk yourself down to $3, you start to think, no, what? no. Was it a... I don't want. Was she having a Black Friday sale? It's, well, it's like you know somebody selling steak out of a truck for you know forty nine cents a pound. You just know it's not something you want a part of. That's all. It's nothing. Maybe that's how they got rid of Jimmy. It's Hoffa. nothing you want to put in your mouth. Hey, did you see the Irishman yet? I have uh, not. Oh, you have to see it. I heard about it. I understand. I need a couple of days. It's, yeah, yeah it's like being from Detroit, long. you have to see it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very good, though. Don't have that kind of time. All right. That's the first uh, first time Al Pacino's ever done a Martin Scorsese movie. Really? Think about that. Really? What do you oh, think yeah, about that, it Brandy? Is, isn't it? Yeah. Huh. I don't, I mean, I don't care, but yeah, I'll probably watch it. And although they have done movies together, see, I am just a font of knowledge over Useless here. Useless knowledge, but okay. Although they have done movies together it is the first time that pacino and de niro have appeared on screen at the same time that's yeah because they were in heat 
but they were sitting opposite each other. So you saw one or you saw the other. You didn't see them together, I don't think. Right. No, they were never in the same scene at the same time. And they were in Godfather Part 2. Yeah, they were. No, but in Heat, they had a conversation. What's that? In the movie Heat, they, their characters had yes, a conversation. Yes, they did. But they were not on on the screen in the scene at the same time. Speaking of movies that are an hour too long. Yes. Good movie, mind you. Heat was a good movie. It was just long. You know. It was a good movie. I find in the age in the age of Netflix, and I'm terrible about this, is that I will sit down <clears throat> and, you know, like this Irishman or whatever. Like, I know I need to watch it, but it's like three hours. Oh, my God. That's so long. But I will sit down and watch like four or five hour long episodes of a docuseries with no problems. Well, because you have options. That's when, when what one I think. episode ends, you have the option to be like, eat out yeah. of here. But when you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, do I stop now? Do I Yeah, wait? see, it's very, it's very stressful. So it's like the Irishman, I've got to, I feel like I have to carve out my day to watch it. Yeah, and if I have to carve out three hours, I don't know if watching a Scorsese movie is what I want to do with that three exactly. hours. Exactly. Oh, I can't. I can think of nothing else I'd rather be doing than watching a Scorsese movie for three hours. For three hours, yeah. yeah. I don't know. the The Avengers, the last Avengers, just about did me in for long movies. Do you know what I found myself doing yesterday, Devil? No. What? And I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but here I had go. to go to my niece Dee's house for a family gathering. And I'm walking back and forth through the house is, is, uh, a Hallmark movie. The Christmas Cabin is on TV. You sat and watched it, didn't you? The whole fucking thing. I did not sit and watch it. I did not sit and watch it. <laughs> but we were leaving right as it ended. And when I got home, I was like, I got to see how this movie ends. Oh, God. So I got on Amazon and said, buy me Christmas Carol. Christmas Cabin, whatever it was, and it was uh, these two people got stuck in a cabin for a snowstorm or something, and they, you know, it's the thing they don't like each other at first, right? And then they fall but in love after a week, yeah. But don't you think even after the second day you'd be doing it? I mean, what I, are you going to do? You got no internet up there. You got no. It's a Hallmark movie. Netflix, you got nothing. Yeah, it's a Hallmark movie. They're not doing it. No. They don't show any boobs in Hallmark You're movies. right. Did you know that? You're right. You, uh, I mean, that's just an astute observation by you. And all Hallmark them movies. Scratch off the list. All Hallmark movies are the same. They're all the same. Yeah. My mother will watch them till her eyes bleed. And I'm like, why? I can tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> she just. But it's so romantic. Yes. And I suppose when you have very little romance in your life, that's what you do after you've been married for so 100 years. So speaking of romance, me. the subject of today's episode right. was married three times. Yeah, she was she was a sucker for love. Tell me more about her early life, Nina. Jean Harlow was born Harleen Harlow Carpenter on March 3rd, 1911, in Kansas City, Missouri. Her father, Montclair Carpenter, was a local dentist. He sounds fancy. And her... Doesn't he? Montclair. Yes, he sounds fancy. Isn't that a pen? I think so. Something like that. No, that's Montblanc. 
Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Jean's mother was Jean Poe Harlow. And honestly, between Mount Montclair and Jean Poe Harlow, I can't with the names. Well, Harleen. Harleen so, Harlow. What? Harleen Harlow. Yeah. So her mother was forced to marry Montclair as part of an arranged marriage orchestrated by her father, Jean's grandfather, Skip Harlow. Skippy. See, now, Skip Harlow, he, see, they had, they were skiers, the Harlow family was. Were they? And, he, yeah, now Jean had a sister, Eileen, that they didn't talk much about, and she, <sighs> she, she mangled up a leg real bad in a skiing of accident. Of course she did. And then they had Uncle Skip. Yeah. Who mangled up himself in a ski accident real bad. I see. So, That's a little bit of Harlow trivia that, that is not I'm true just at all. Adding in here. Go ahead. So Jean Poe Harlow was only 14 at the time of the marriage, which. Right. And she came to resent her new husband, which is just shocking, frankly, that a 14 year old forced to marry a dentist resents. Well, him. she should resent her dad. But she loved their daughter. Yeah, but that's different. That's different. Yeah. But even if, but don't you feel like even if she turned, got married at 21 or 30 or 40, at some point she was going to come to resent her husband? Yes. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's totally it's kind of natural course of things. Yes. That's a natural arc of a marriage. <laughs> Resentment and then just acceptance and res- yeah, resignation. Yes. Resignation. Resignation, yeah. <laughs> that's that's nice. Put that in your book. <laughs> it's, it's in there. I'm sure. It's in the last chapter. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. It's, so, it's it's in the hallway sex chapter, devil. Perfect. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's phases. I try to tell people there's phases. You know, you first get married and you, you're having sex all over, right? Just all over the house. You have it all over. Okay. And then you, and then after you've been married a few years, it, it kind of, you know, just, it's always in the bedroom. And then after you've been married longer than that, it just moves to the hallway where you just say, fuck you to each other as you pass each other in the hallway. See, that's hallway sex, devil. I see. That's the whole arc of a sex life in a long-term marriage. I see. I Oh. It's a, it's in the book. I I will make sure that I look for it. Weirdo. God. What's the craziest place you ever did it in your house, devil? In my house? In your house. Um I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, the house only has so many rooms. So Have you hit them all? Yeah. You got one you got to check off off the list? Uh, yeah, the bathroom. Closets. The bathroom. I'm not I'm not good with that. Yeah, see I have that in a book too. And this is some advice for you, Ms. Nina. Yes. You hear a lot about shower sex. Stay stay away from it. <laughs> stay away. Avoid it at all costs, Nina. Look, the bathroom is for gross stuff. So I don't think that, you know, doing it in there is <clears throat> sexy well no i'm talking about the shower you get in there and the water's all nice and it's like blah 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 next thing you know somebody's got a bleeding head injury and it happens far too often or they throw out their back you know you rip a towel bar off the wall it's just no good comes from yeah it doesn't all right the more you know the more you know 
Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So, 14-year-old Jean came to resent the husband, but they loved their daughter, Harleen, and they nicknamed her the baby. Yes. And they called her that for the remainder of her life. Like, everybody called her the baby. And when Harleen was very young, her mother started entering her in pretty baby contests. And she had her in acting classes by the time she was five. Yeah, see, I think I could do that whole toddlers and tiaras thing. That would be me as a stage mom. I would be friggin' crazy. But go ahead. I know. So... While Harleen was a lovely little girl, she was often sick. And when she was five years old, not long after she started acting classes, she came down with meningitis, which nearly killed her. She was never a particularly healthy person. And bringing up the meningitis, let's just take a moment to reflect. It is Thanksgiving weekend. With some gratitude. Is someone's cat throwing up? No, that's my that's my child. Chuck, you're going to have to take that out. Yeah, I, I usually edit out the Doc Holiday sounds when okay. when he gets He's sick there. He's had all his medicine. Love his heart. He's just kind of, <laughs> I know. No, no, not a cat throwing up. Just my baby. Okay. You never know. In my house, it could be a cat throwing up. So it's 50-50. All right. But I want, this is important. I, I want to take a moment to reflect. It is Thanksgiving weekend. And I am so fucking thankful for antibiotics. Oh. Oh. Which were not a thing until the late 40s. So is Timmy. Oh, I bet Timmy is. Jesus, the clap ain't going to cure itself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Slam that thing in a window. Was you, were you ill over Thanksgiving? No. No, no, I'm just, she had meningitis, and now they can give you antibiotics or other medications to help resolve it. But people would die, you know, people still die from it, but um, it'll make more sense in a minute when we get to her next illness. So, Harleen's mother was very protective. She coddled her, and she created this really weird dynamic in their relationship where Harleen felt that she owed everything to her mother. And, and like very, yeah, codependent and gross. Mama Jean would later say, quote, she was always all mine. And the two of them remained close even as Harleen grew into adulthood. I feel like this is kind of a Norman Bates kind of relationship. So what you're saying to me is feeling like you owe everything to your mother is not a healthy thing. Not it, when. Yeah, I mean, I think there's. There's healthy and then there's gross. Yeah. 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 This was not a healthy, I have such a great relationship with my mom where, you know, I owe everything to her. This This is is dependency. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, because I come from an Irish family. And I mean, our moms are all saints. Well, she is now because she's dead. Well, and yeah, she is hopefully going to be. She always does. She always reminds me of my mama. God rest his soul is his move to the to the moved moved on to be with yeah. whoever right. from the stories you've said you've told me she's moved on to be with Mussolini Stalin <laughs> she's, those, she's those people yeah she's probably having a good old time with them but 
I don't know where she moved on to, but, but she has moved on. She's crossed the. But plane. she has moved on. She has. She's into that great ether out there. This is really more of a. This just reminds me really of a just a Norman Bates kind of relationship with the mother, like this just codependency and adoration and. Blech. Yeah. No. A little idolatry. Yes. Yeah. Her mom. Her mom is is interesting. We'll, we'll say that. So when Jean is ten, she's over the meningitis. Her mom puts her in Miss Barstow's finishing school for girls in Kansas City. And while Jean is off at finishing school, when she's ten, her mother files from files for divorce and seeks full custody of Jean. And she gets her divorce and full custody on September 29th, 1992. 22. No. 92 would have been amazing. Yeah. Right? That was only, yeah. So. They don't have finishing schools anymore, do they? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't think so. No, but I don't. I feel like you. I could have used one. I don't know why you would go to finishing school as a 10-year-old. Right. That's weird. Yeah, you could you could use a little touch up now, Devil. You could use a little little polish and a little little work. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, you know what? What you can talk to me about it tomorrow when I see you at work. Before I smack okay, the dog the, yeah. shit out of you, we can talk about <laughs> at it. the diversity and cultural sensitivity training. Exactly. Going to. Exactly. I'm I'm going to bring this up. I'm absolutely going to bring this up. I think I might ask that. At our sensitivity. If all, if, if all the ladies here would have gone to finishing school, we would only need the men here. You should definitely do that. Definitely yeah. do that. Perfect. All right. Carry on. So, despite the divorce, Jean idolized her father, Montclair Harlow. Um, but her mother would have not, you know, she didn't like that. So, mom saw to it that... Jean and her father had very little contact. Yeah, that's a control issue. And and I know you'll be shocked to hear this, but Jean's mother, well, Jean Poe, Harleen's mother, she wanted to be a famous actress. Projecting. Living vicariously. Oh, yeah. So in 1923, Jean Carpenter is a newly divorced 34-year-old woman. And she packs up her daughter and moves to Hollywood. And Jean has decided that she is going to be a movie star. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. She sounds perfectly sane right. and rational. But Mama Jean is told that she is too old to begin a film career. <laughs> At 34? 34. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll dry it well, up. Yeah. Not happening. <laughs> well, this is before the internet because now. 34-year-old women have plenty of roles on... Star potential. Star potential, yes. So Harleen is enrolled at the Hollywood School for Girls, and while she's there, she meets Douglas Fairbanks. Oh, that's a big star. Yeah, he was a big, big star. Um, If you don't know who Douglas Fairbanks is, he went on to found United Artists, which is still in existence to today. So it's 1925, and at the age of 14, Harleen drops out of school. Meanwhile, her grandfather, Skip, who is Jean's dad, threatens that unless Mama Jean brings herself and Harleen back to Kansas City, he's disowning them and removing them from the will. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, 
yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's not controlling or manipulative or weird at all. So Mama Jean gives in, and they move back to Kansas City. And several weeks later, Skip sends Harleen to summer camp, Camp Chatonka, yes. in Michigami, Michigan. Hmm. You ever been there? No, I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> I've been there. Of course you have. I've been, I haven't been to that camp, but I've been to Michigami, Michigan. I haven't been to Michigami either. I'm not even sure where it is. Well, I'm a world traveler. I'm a man about it's town. Duh. She's got scarlet fever. Well, she does. And you know what? I had scarlet fever, and that shit is weird. It is. My face turned blue. I had little spots all over me. Don't you hallucinate or something weird when you have scarlet fever? I don't think I hallucinated, but my mom was all excited because she said, oh, my God, scarlet fever. It used to wipe out villages in the medieval times. So she thought it was great. And the doctor had never actually seen a case of it before. And I was at this pediatric practice and they brought in everybody to look at me because I was such a classic Oddity. case of scarlet fever. Yeah. How old were you at the time? I was eight. Did you get it after a case of uh, strep throat? Do you remember? I believe that's what happened. That Because I was prone to strep throat as a kid. And I think that I just had it's scarlet fever is supposedly untreated strep throat. I actually, yeah, I had a, it's, it's very serious. I had a friend that had to, she got strep throat as an adult and got scarlet fever and had to have a heart valve replaced because it, scarlet fever can affect your heart if you let it go too long. Yes. But, but Nina's mom, the more you know, Nina's mom didn't do that. She got her treated. She did not. She got her treated. Even if she was a thank God for antibiotics for a minute. I was. I was. Do you have any pictures so, from back then? What? Not of me with scarlet fever, you big weirdo. Well, I'm just saying it'd be interesting for people to see that you – because I think people have this thing, you know, this this preconceived notion that you're perfect. So I think they should see you, you know, as a little flawed. What is wrong with you? I am <laughs> – I'm just saying. Honestly. Couldn't hurt. You know – Scarlet fever. If I had scarlet fever, I'd have pictures of myself posted all over the internet. Well, well, they didn't have the internet when I had scarlet fever. Well, you can scan the pictures. Every time I get a rash or something, I put it on the internet. We know. <laughs> we know. But I'm usually saying, hey, has anybody ever had something like this before? And Timmy tells you that it's time to get, <laughs> it's time to get penicillin. Yeah. No, we always convince him it's something so, weird. It's good times. Yeah, every time I have something weird with me, they tell me, yeah, my aunt had that. It was cancer. She died. Well, no, it's... Oh, that's uplifting. Or sometimes we're like, oh, you got yellow fever or, you know, dangy fever or whatever it's called. I mean, just sends him into a lather. And then he spends the rest of the afternoon on WebMD trying to figure out what it is. It's fine. I have cured myself of all those ailments. You know, here's the thing. You got to... At work, you gotta take you gotta take the little joys that it gives you, and it's that true. is one of those joys. Timmy's easier though. Timmy is easier. Timmy's easier. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So she's at summer camp okay. at t- Camp Titicaca yeah. or whatever. 
right, 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 right. in yeah. Michigan. And her mother goes to Michigan to take care of her daughter and rows across the lake. It's a boat and rows across the lake to the camp. <laughs> but she is turned away. <laughs> Can you just see her like rowing for everything she's got? <laughs> trying to get over there. And you know she's got one of those poofy dresses on. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just not having and it. And gloves and mm-hmm. a hat. Yeah, pearls, everything else. And just... Oh. <laughs> Trying not to break a sweat. <laughs> she does the rowing. That was an amazing visual for me. Thanks. Go ahead. <laughs> so Harleen did recover from the illness. And when she is 17, her mother sends her to the Ferry Hall School in Lake Forest, Illinois. And Jean Carpenter picked this school because it was close to Jean's boyfriend, Marino Bello, who'll become a really shitty stepfather to Harleen eventually because Jean and Marino will eventually marry. But Jean wanted to see Marino, so she enrolled Harleen at this school. And while Harleen is in school, she's a freshman, she's paired with a big sister from the senior class who introduces her to 19-year-old Charles Chuck Fremont McGrew. All right. Chuck McGrew. That's a pretty cool Chuck name. McGrew. Chuck McGrew sounds like a uh, rodeo cow, uh, rodeo clown more than a rodeo cowboy. Sounds like a crime Chuck dog. Chuck McGrew yeah, sounds like a crime dog. Yeah. Take a yeah, take a bite out of Chuck McGrew. It was McGrath. I know. So in 1926, Harleen and Chuck, who happened to be the heir to a large fortune, they're dating very seriously, and they get married in 1927. And that same year, Jean Carpenter, Harleen's mother, marries Marino Bello. But Harleen, who is still resentful of her mother leaving her dad many years ago, does not go to mom's wedding. Oh, some some family strife there, yeah. In 1928, the young newlyweds left Chicago and moved to Beverly Hills. And Chuck McGrew turned 21 two months after the marriage. And when he turned 21, he received a portion of his large inheritance. Nice. The couple, yeah, that's, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine giving a large inheritance. Hold on. He turned 21. She's got to be. 17. Yeah. 17. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take 17. Yeah. She's getting up there now. So she's all right. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. So they, they moved to a house in Beverly Hills where Harleen thrived as a wealthy socialite. McGrew wanted to distance her from her mother with this move to California. But once they move, they've got all of Chuck's money. They're in this big, pretty house. But Chuck and Harleen, they're not working, and they both start drinking a lot. Because what else? Sweet. What else? Yeah. What else is there to do? It's part of throwing a party. You know, Chuck, I think if they'd had your book, they might have had less to drink. Well, yeah, a couple no. of drinks beforehand doesn't hurt. I don't but, think that's yeah. true. I think people with this book would have drink will drink heavily <laughs> to black out well, stage, perhaps. Well, some of the things in the book you really need to be close to a blackout stage to say, hmm, this sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I think so. reading the book you need to be <laughs> toward the blackout stage. <laughs> to say, huh. Now you this know sounds like a good idea. I have not read this script, but what I'm picturing next (laughs) is is Mama Harlow climbing a wrought iron gate in the driveway. 
She well, rode across a lake. Not far off. <laughs> I know. They thought they could escape her. This is a woman who will jump in a canoe. That's right. And come across a lake after you. Yeah. She's like Michael Myers. She like the Michael Myers of mothers. He <laughs> can't put it down. So you're not far off because they were in California living their, their Beverly Hills lifestyle without any sign of Harleen's mom. But of course, Jean and her husband Marino move to California and they don't just move to California. They buy the house across the street from where Harleen and Chuck are living. Oh, there you go. Again, healthy, normal choices. No red flags Cock here. block. Go ahead. <laughs> so once Mama Jean is there, she's encouraging Harleen to pursue an acting career. And Harleen was not interested. She was young. She was happy. She was in love. She was drunk. Money. She, she was drunk. drunk yeah. probably every day. What she really wanted was to start a family. She wanted to have kids and have this great life with Chuck. But her mom, again, super healthy choices, begs her not to have children because it will ruin her body for the kids. She's not wrong. Well, ruin a body. See, didn't. How's it going to ruin a body? They didn't do. They went in high def. Okay. Because. Well, I mean, the camera they had 10 corsets. Pounds. I mean. I, yeah, you can. They had girdles back of then. Of course, it's not a miracle men, worker. What the fuck? The men wore girdles yeah. back then. And look at Fatty Arbuckle. I don't care what you put on him. He was still <laughs> kind of a chunky man. Well, <laughs> well, earned the nickname. That was that was part of his charm. Well, I understand, but you know, she didn't want her. She didn't want her to have a child that might put ten extra pounds or widen her hips. Right, because who cares what Harleen wants for her own happiness and well-being? Uh, duh. Right? If, if our children yeah. would just listen to us, then they wouldn't have half the strife that they have. Just is that is that really a thing that your hips get wider after you have kids? Well, they spread out when you're pregnant, and sometimes yeah, yeah and sometimes they go spans. back, and sometimes they do not. See, I got these. I, I do a lot of woodworking in here, and I got, you know, these wood clamps. What? It just seems like they could get big clamps and tighten your hips back up if you wanted to. Oh, that's so dumb. Like a wood like a wood girdle. Right. That's... Yeah, just clamp it on there, leave it on there overnight, and take it off in the morning. Yeah, You're good to go. That's kind of... It doesn't sound that different from that crazy waist training bullshit that everybody was doing. Oh, my God. Oh, no. They're still doing it. People still do that. Why would you do that? I don't know why. It's like the like the old Chinese tradition of binding your feet. Why would you do something like that? Because the Kardashians said to. Well, that's that's reason enough for me, I guess. Well, I mean, that's what people do. So, they have more money than sex. We're in LA. Yes, that's true. We're in LA, and Harleen becomes friends with a young, aspiring actress named Rosalie Roy. And Rosalie did not have a car, so she occasionally asked Harleen for rides. And one day she asked if Harleen would drive her to Fox Studios for an appointment. And Harleen agreed, and while she was there, she was noticed and approached by Fox executives while waiting for Rosalie to finish her appointment. And when they asked her about acting or doing a screen test, 
Harleen said, I am not interested. But she was given letters of introduction to the central casting office. And Harleen, again, sounds like a totally healthy, normal relationship, mm-hmm. bets, Rosalie bets Harleen that she does not have the nerve to go in on audition. And Harleen, again, healthy choices, good boundaries. She doesn't want to lose the bet. And her mother is there going, do it, do it, do it. So Harleen goes to central casting and signs in using her mother's maiden name of Jean Harlow. And little does Harleen know that for the rest of her life, she will be known to the world by her mother's maiden name. See, and this isn't like being a little brother and having a big brother who says, oh, if you won't do this, you're a big chicken. This is your mama you're talking about. She's supposed to be looking out for you. Big brother, he's supposed to be tormenting you, but man. Yeah, her mom was was amazing. Central Casting called Harlene and offered her several jobs, and Harlene was like, no, not interested. No, not interested. Well, her mother really pushed her, um, so Harlene accepted position with them, and her first film was Honor Bound, which was released in 1928. Harlene worked as an unbilled extra and made $7 a day. That's big money. That's about what me and you make, ain't it, Devil? Uh, $7 a, a day? I think it's a little, think, yeah, a little bit a more. Little more. Yeah. So Harleen liked the work. She'd never really worked before. She liked it. She continued taking small parts in film. Her roles became more and more prominent. But the new career was having a devastating effect on her marriage. Chuck wanted her home with him to keep him company. But Harleen liked Hollywood, and she liked working. This was a much-needed taste of freedom. But sadly, the more she worked, the more Chuck drank, and the couple split up in 1929. After the divorce, Jean moved in with her mother and her husband. Well, and all that acting will cut into your drinking time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For some people. Not Nicolas Cage, but for some people. Not Nicolas Cage, because that's just about what we're talking about. Jesus, God. All right. So her mom now became her unofficial manager, and she negotiated with the studios to get the best parts for her. It was clear to everyone that Mama Jean was living vicariously through the eyes of her daughter. In 1929, Jean's big break came uh, came with her role in Hell's Angels. Billionaire Howard Hughes signed Jean to a five-year, $100 pro-rate contract on October 24th, 1929. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. $100 a week and $19.29? Still more than what we make now. Yeah, well, $100 a week, yeah. Yeah. Hell's Angels premiered in Hollywood on May 27, 1930, at Grauman's Chinese Theater, becoming the highest-grossing film of 1930. Although, you know what? That would be like 1500 a week in our dollars, though. I'm actually looking it up. Uh, $1,504.95. Yes, you're faster than I am, damn it. I, That's what his wife I did says, that too. In my, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the rain man when it comes to math. You're kind of like Rain Man. (laughs) Yeah. You could have stopped that sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Hell's Angels had made Jean Harlow an international star, but her problems were just beginning. In 1931, Howard Hughes loaned her contract to MGM, and this marked the beginning of her stardom. Her appearance in Platinum Blonde gave her the image, gave her the image of the sex idol of Hollywood. In 1932, Paul Byrne, the MGM executive and MGM executive, became impressed with her and arranged to buy her contract with Hughes. She exceeded the expectations of MGM by her performance in Red Dust. In 1933, she made her appearance in Dinner at Eight, the the all-time star movie of MGM. She enlivened the film with her comic brilliance. She was actually, have you seen her in movies? No. Yeah. She was actually a pretty good actress. She was quite beautiful. She was a very beautiful woman, yeah. but she was, she was quite, quite a good actress. Well. She was the, she was the Meryl Streep of her time, really. Was she? Mm. Settle down. I don't think that. Well, she had, she had, you know, big boobs. Okay. Her next film. That's really, that's how you rate actresses for I the see. most part. You should go work for Mr. Skin. That I feel like <laughs> yeah. is your calling. That's what you should do. I, I feel like you guys have a different view on actress talent, but that's, that's an important part back in the thirties. How you looked in visual the visual appeal. Yeah. Visual appeal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, her next film, Bombshell, was a Hollywood parody that resembled her real-life experience. She aptly expressed her own personal experience under the control of a greedy stepfather and a dominant and, pers- and persuasive mother. Although her career was at its zenith, 
Jean's personal life was in shambles. She had affairs with I different. I feel you there, Jean. Yeah, she had affairs with different power brokers in Hollywood, but had difficulty finding real love. She got married for the second time with producer Paul Byrne in 1932. If you remember, he was the one that was instrumental in winning the contract for MGM. Jean and Paul had been dating for months, but had a very turbulent and some say violent relationship. After returning from her honeymoon, Jean began working on her new movie, Red Dust, which co-starred Clark Gable. While on the set, Jean received a call that there was emergency an emergency at her estate and to return home right away. When she arrived, she saw her husband lying on the bedroom floor in a puddle of blood. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Paul Byrne had shot himself in the head while standing in front of the mirror. Huh. As you As do. As one does. Right? You stand in front of a mirror. Yeah, sure. Uh, their butler discovered him and called MGM instead of the police because that's a thing that you do. So there were tons. Oh, that was totally yes. normal back then. Well, it's weird. So there were tons okay. of rumors that it wasn't actually suicide. Uh, many actually suspected Burns' ex-girlfriend, uh, a suspicion that was exacerbated by her jumping off a boat a couple of days later, also dying by suicide. But the butler found him, and nobody suspected the butler. Butler did it. Yeah. Butler always does it, almost. Yeah. They do, except for, you know, Albert from Batman. He never does it. He's always a good guy. No. Well, and Jean was only married to Paul Byrne for, like, they what? got married, like, in July, and he was dead by September. I was going to say, they, they were weren't not married, married long. very long. Yeah. No, just a hot minute. So, we yeah, have long enough to get that money. After Paul Byrne's death, Jean began an indiscreet affair with boxer Matt Max, sorry, Bear, who, through though separated from his wife Dorothy Dunbar, was threatened with divorce proceedings, naming Jean as a co-respondent for alienation of affection. Can you really blame somebody else for alienation of affection? Because uh, that usually happens before the affair. Yeah. But yeah, that was a popular one, though, back then. Yeah. They would use alienation of affection. Yeah, that was back before the no-fault divorces. Right. Do any states have fault divorces anymore? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, do they? I'm sure they do. All right, let's see. After Burns' mysterious death, the studio did not want another scandal and diffused the situation. There we go. By arranging a marriage between Jean and cinematographer Harold Rawson. Uh, Rawson and Harlow were friends, and Rawson just kind of went along with the plan. Which, you know, healthy. They quietly divorced right. eight months later. <laughs> Good choices. Yeah. So I, I want to interject that Rawson ended up living until he was in his early 90s. He died in, I want to say like 1988. He was born in 1895, hmm? so he never married again. Never? After, no. ever. He was about 40 when he married Jean Harlow, and then he never married again. Well, she was, you know, she was kind of a big deal. Sure. Uh, well, he might not have, He, you know, back in those days, you mar a lot of the studio people got married, but they didn't like, you know, the men didn't necessarily weren't attracted to women 
So they would get married to someone like Jean Harlow, who didn't really want to be married either, but they would have a husband and wife. Maybe he was because gay. It does sound like, I don't know if he was gay, but they were good friends. And I think that that it was an amicable, like they were okay with getting married to each other. They were okay with it being a career convenience thing. Yeah. That's one. So Which is did they, very nice. Did they you. consummate the, the marriage is what I'm wondering. Why? Why do you wonder that? Well, if he never got married again. Again. Maybe she ruined him for other women. Or maybe he was gay. That's what I'm saying. You couldn't be a guy just coming out as gay back in Hollywood back then. Right. That's true. But he was a cinematographer, and I think that the studios were much more forgiving of people who were behind the scenes. Right, undercover. Well, that's probably true. Well... So Jean threw herself into her work and maintained a hectic schedule of acting and making public appearances all over the country. She was America's new pinup girl known as the Blonde Bombshell. She always appeared to the outside world as happy and successful, but in her private moments she feared she would she would give in to despair. She was a drinker and on several occasions was seen drunk in public. Hmm. Oh, the scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was often sick, both physically and emotionally. Jean, drunk in public. Drunk in You'd public. never be able to be a movie star, but would back then, would you, devil? No. Jean. Of course, <laughs> no. people seeing you sober in public would cause a scandal. I, well, that's that would be the key. You showing up sober because then people would know something was different. Yeah, but if you were drunk all the time like you normally are, nobody they would just think that's your normal personality. But what I love is that. The people that listen to this podcast understand that I work with you and Tim. And so. Mm-hmm. And this is why she. Yes. Cares. And so my excessive alcoholism is just a, a coping mechanism for working with you two dipshits. Not just. I, this episode is full of healthy choices. I yeah. am a teetotaler, devil. I know. I do not let the devil juice cross my lips. I, you know now what? you like the I, things that cross now, your lips are another podcast. <laughs> now, Nina, two things. You, you were blonde at one time, weren't you? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Was you, did people call you the blonde, blondish bombshell? No. Huh? No, I would have punched them. You would have punched them. Now, see, that's yeah. that's not a polite because way of approaching. Nina makes a man. healthy choices. I do. I make healthy choices, including letting out my big feelings. And you, uh, I do know that you like dark liquor. I do. So I do have a question for you. Have you ever had old granddad? I believe I have. It's a bourbon. When I used to drink, I used to drink old granddad. It's the finest bourbon you will ever have. For $3. No, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. My brother got me drinking it. My brother was a bad influence. He was like Gene Harlow's mom. Wow. But uh, but the next time you get a, just order a shot of old granddad. It's got a, it's got a really nice vanilla kind of taste after you, aftertaste when you drink it. Yeah, nice finish. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll put it on the list. Perfect. <laughs> it's a long list, but go ahead. So Jean often complained that the house she shared with Paul Byrne now seemed creepy to her. Yeah. 
uh, she felt Paul's presence anytime she was alone in the mansion. Oh. I know, that's kind of sad. It Maybe is. she really loved him. Maybe. By the midnight. You know, it's a hard thing. This is a this is a terrible story. I don't want to get us off track, but a friend oh, of mine. Okay, good. Um For fuck's a sake. friend of mine he uh You're went lying. into his bedroom. No, no, he went into his bedroom you one no time. Friends. And he shot himself while his family was at the dinner table. This is a sucky story. Well, no, I'm just saying the okay. wife, his wife, could never enter that house again. The police came, the fire paramedics came. She never entered that house again. Never. I don't blame her. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I'm just saying it's a traumatic thing. So for her to live there no, had to be yeah. fairly difficult. Yeah, and especially living there alone. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Perfect. So, so don't do it in your house. Go to the oh, woods or something. It ruins gee. it for everybody. By the mid-1930s, Jean Harlow was one of the biggest stars in the United States. And it was hoped MGM's next Greta Garbo. Still young, her star continued to rise while the popularity of other female stars at MGM, such as Garbo and Joan Crawford, waned. Harlow's movies continued to make huge profits at the box office, even during the middle of the Great Depression. After her third marriage ended in 1934, Jean Harlow met William Powell, another MGM star, and quickly fell in love. The couple was reportedly engaged for two years, but differences ranging from past marriages to Powell's uncertainty of the future kept them from publicly formalizing their relationship. MGM also liked the box office of the attainable single Jean Harlow. Jean, though, was desperate to start a family. What do you think about that, Chuck? Well, I think, see, this is a third marriage. I think it... uh it probably takes you three, maybe four, five sometimes to, to get it right. Yeah, think about this. Think about this, Nina. Yes. Marriage is a contract between a man and wife or another man or whoever, right? Between yeah, two, two people. people. It's the only contract that never expires. It's true. Yeah, don't you think that there should be like a five-year renewal, like your driver's license? There should be a five-year renewal on a marriage. Yeah, but doesn't it expire when one of you dies? That's the only way. You're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, it's like student loans. No, I mean, that's the only way you can out. get out of it. You don't really have to wait I'm just long. saying every five years, six years maybe, five, six, whatever, they should have to be renewed, and you should both have to agree, yeah, let's let's continue on. Well, and then have a three-year option. Say, I, you know, I ain't re like a football player, I'm not ready to really sign on for another six years, but I'll do three. Perfect. And then you can do it like that. Because that's generally what I say on my anniversary. My gift every year is I'm going to extend your contract one more year. Well... It's an interesting consideration. It's, it's something to think but about. It's not. It's it not is. at all. Well, I'm, it's the only thing where you're just signing everything away forever. Yeah. So Jean's weak. So what? I want. Wait, I want. I, I'm going to interrupt sure, you again. I'm you're sorry, fine. but this is actually to to contribute. Thank you. 
she she had a thing for older dudes. Paul Byrne, who she was married to, was like 20 years older than her. And then William Powell was similarly a good 20 years older than she was. So she was, Jean, in all of her good choices, was sorting out a lot of daddy issues. Well, yeah, she liked, she wanted to feel protected because clearly nobody was protecting this poor girl. No. And older men, no. generally, especially older men with money, sometimes can give the perception of protection. Yeah, I like them apples. Well, being an old well, armchair being an older man, yeah. No, we didn't say like dilapidated old man. You, you know, older. but see, that's I would just have difficulty nah. with someone twenty years, twenty five years younger. That would just seem like a uh, that'd be like hanging around with my kids, and they kind of bug me. Yeah. So and they didn't have Viagra back then, so <laughs> well, you were under a lot of pressure. You were under a lot of pressure. Yes. Yeah. So but you guys don't know the pressure men live under. Oh you, my god. You have no idea. It's not easy Especially being us. White men. They, they have, have it so bad. It's difficult. Yes. That's what I keep trying to tell everybody. Every internet post. I'm you like, should be a please class. go easy on us. We should be. We really should be because we're just getting trampled on all the you time. You are. Now. You are. You poor thing. So, Jean, poor little Jean is desperate to start a family. Um, but her weak constitution and hectic schedule wreaked havoc with her health. And she seemed to always have the flu. And when she bitched about her fever and her body aches and all this, when she bitched about it, uh, it was ignored by her mother and those close to her. Um, the studio actually saw to it that Jean had a relentless schedule to maintain. And her mom, being the ever-loving beacon of hope that she was, told Jean that if she didn't live up to her contractual obligations with MGM, that they would replace her. So Jean maintained her schedule despite being so ill sometimes she could barely stand. And when she was feeling overwhelmed, the studio physician would give her a vitamin C booster and eventually amphetamines. That's That seems like a natural progression. Right. She is being so well cared for and so nurtured by everyone around her. I know. Her. I don't know why she want older men. Um, in January of 1937, Jean Harlow and Robert Taylor traveled to Washington, D.C. to take part in fundraising activities associated with President Franklin Roosevelt's birthday uh, for the organization later known as the March of Dimes. Her mother, thank the baby Jesus, was on vacation with her husband in Florida. And you know Jean paid for that vacation. Oh, please. Of course she did. Yeah. The trip was physically taxing for Harlow, and she contracted the flu. She recovered in time to attend the Academy Awards with William Powell. The next day, on May 30th, 1937, William Powell checked on Jean and discovered that her condition had not improved. He contacted her mother and insisted that she cut her holiday short to come be at her daughter's side. Powell, evidently mm. being the only one who's got any fucking sense, also summoned right. a doctor. On June 2nd, 1937, uh, it was announced that Harlow was again suffering from influenza. Dr. Ernest Fishbaugh, Fishbaugh, 
who'd been called to Harlow's home to treat her, diagnosed her with an inflamed gallbladder, which has to hurt, which does hurt like a son of a bitch. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, I have had kidney stones, which has been scientifically proven to be 3.75 times more painful than childbirth. Oh. And the gallbladder was even worse than the kidney stone. Uh, I've had, the, all, you know, wait a minute, I've had all of those things, uh, mm-hmm. including giving a birth to a child. And I can tell you uh, to shut the fuck up. No, <laughs> my gallbladder. When I had my gallbladder attack, it's the only time that I have been in so much pain that it caused me to actually vomit. No, and I've 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 seen some stuff. I've been through some some injuries before. You're and, a baby. Uh, I am not a baby. I one time I will tell you this no, story. Don't Nina. tell me the story. Let me tell you something. Imagine if I took my fist and stuck it <laughs> up your urethra, up your urethra, and grabbed a hold of some of your insides. And then just started to pull them out your wiener. Imagine this. Is it bad? Is it bad that you're giving me a tingly feeling here, devil? It's pretty gross. <laughs> and now, if you can imagine We've got that, more good choices this episode. Do, do I got to pay extra for that? No, you're nasty. <laughs> but imagine that, and you still cannot come close to what it feels like. That, and that's if a baby comes out like it's supposed to. That doesn't include if the baby's breech. Or if you have to have it in the back seat of a car because you're snowed in somewhere, or the thousand and fifty other things that could happen when you're having this baby. So, Look, shut up. But you can. I'm however, just telling you. Tell me, please tell me about Gene Harlow's death before I have to tell everybody well, about yours. Before I do, no, I will it. tell you. Once, Nina. I was I was playing in a softball tournament and it was five games and we were out of town. And in the first inning of the first game, I had a, an outfielder collide with me and break three of my ribs. Oh God! It was a five-game tournament, Nina. I went to the hospital after the fifth game. So I was very manly of you, child. I am not one who cannot handle pain. But when I had my gallbladder, I truly, when I had the attack, I just thought, if there's a merciful God, he will take me now. But I made it through that, too. So. It's very inspiring. Well, it's in the book. So it's it's in the chapter playing through pain because, you know, men, just because you get hurt, it doesn't mean, you know, that's got to end. So right, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. Carry on. You can't just be saying, "Oh, pull hamstrings." I mean, if you don't, here there's there's a quote directly from the book. If you don't occasionally have to get stitches, you're just not doing it right. So <laughs> stitches, a cast, <laughs> stitches, whatever, a cast, yeah, whatever. Perfect. So anyway. Getting back to Jean here. Now, she felt better on June 3rd because as gallbladder attacks are want to do, they do pass. And co-workers expected her back on the set by Monday. Now, press reports were contradictory with headlines reading Jean Harlow seriously ill and 
Harlow recovering from serious illness. Now, Clark Gable, who had... Uh, they were friends. Don't who talk visited about Harlow. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? What If you tell he me had, it's halitosis, I will kill you. He had dentures, and it was supposed to be... Oh he didn't God. clean them good. Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be very bad. All right. Yeah, I don't want him to talk smack about Gable Let's either. Just, I'm just saying. Along. Keep it moving. Yeah. He later remarked that she was uh, severely bloated and that he smelled urine on her breath when he kissed her. Now, these are both signs of kidney failure. So if you ever if yeah. you ever kiss somebody and you get a whiff of urine, get them to the doctor. Well, yeah. Now, Jean Harlow quick, quick now. Them. Oh, quick kissing yeah. them, yeah. Now she just had days to live. Well, this is not going to be a happy ending. Really? No. Dr. Leland Chapman, a colleague of Fishbaugh, was called to give a second opinion on Harlow's condition. He recognized that she was not suffering from an inflamed gallbladder at all, but was in the final stages of kidney failure. Much like my dear old Grandpa Flanagan. They thought he had the flu and said, keep giving him more fluids and more fluids. And he was in kidney failure. And, oh, yeah. and he died. Dialysis was not a thing. Yeah. No, 38 years old when the man died. 38 years Jesus. old. On June 6, 1937, Gene said that she could not see Powell clearly and could not tell how many fingers he was holding up. Now, that evening, she was taken to Good Samaritan Hospital in Los Angeles where she slipped into a coma. And the next day, June 7, 1937, at 11.37 a.m., Jean Harlow died in a hospital, and she was only 26 years old. Now, if the doctor's press releases, the cause of death given was a cerebral edema. Now, that's a complication of kidney failure. It's believed that the scarlet fever she had suffered as a child may have caused chronic hypertension, eventually leading to kidney failure. You would have thought they would have picked that up with all the doctors they checked on. Yeah, yeah but they didn't know what the fuck they were doing in the 30s. Yeah, that's well, true. And it's not like they file shared or said, hey, this is her. This is what we've looked at before. Everybody just right. kind of was running on their own stuff. Yeah, but I mean, back then, even then, they had the blood pressure monitors. They look and it's like, oh, it's 210 over 110. Maybe we ought to do. I want, but I don't know if they have blood pressure medicine. But if a then. doctor, but if a doctor's being paid by the studio and being yeah. told she needs to be back on set. Yeah, she, then she's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's just a flesh, just a flesh wound. Yeah. So. <laughs> Poor girl. Now, for years following her death, rumors circulate that Jean's mother had refused to call a doctor because she was a Christian scientist or that Harlow had declined hospital treatment or surgery. None of these are true. Well, then why Timmy now, put for, him in there? Well, well, no, it is. It is a big, um, it was a big rumor that her mom declined all medical help for Jean when she was desperately ill because she was trying to minimize her illness or she was a Christ scientist or something along those lines. So it's a, it's one of those things yeah. that if you've heard about Jean Harlow, you may have heard these rumors. Well, but the thing is, I guess, is that she, she's an older, you know, she's 26. I mean, I don't know how her mother can refuse to do anything. You know well, what I mean? Well, if you're in a coma. Well, I mean, if you're in a oh, coma. She was so desperately ill. Yeah. 
I mean, you got to have somebody around besides her mother. And when her mother in Florida. Yeah, she got I don't no. know if they called her home, but I don't know if she got back in time. OK, just wondering. There's a, there, there's a big gap in that information there. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the Florida trip was in January. Oh, OK. Now, her grayish complexion, recurring illnesses, and severe sunburn are all signs of kidney disease. She had care. They just did not diagnose her quickly enough. And even if they had, chances are she would still have died as treatment options were pretty limited at the time. They just had, I think they had leeches and stuff back then. I don't, leeches and cocaine and opium. That's pretty much your choices right. back then. Amphetamines. Amphetamines, yeah. Yeah, amphetamines, I can't think they're good for your renal system. <laughs> no, probably not. Re renal, I'm sorry, devil. Renal being associated with your kidneys. I'm okay. sorry, I didn't mean to use a medical term that you might not know. This, this is uh, what we're going to do. Jean okay. Harlow was buried at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale in a great mausoleum in a, in a private room of multicolored marble, which William Powell bought for $25,000. The inscription on the tomb reads simply, Our Baby. She couldn't even escape that in death. Now, for years, the home owned by Jean and her second husband, Paul Byrne, has reported to be haunted. An image of a woman and man playing cards has been reported in the kitchen. A woman in a glamorous nightgown has been seen walking up the long staircase to the second floor. See, I've had dreams like that before, so mm -hmm. <clears throat> maybe it's haunted, maybe it's not. And never turning around when called out to. And a man has been heard crying in the bedroom where Paul Byrne killed himself. See, I thought when we were going to, who was the one that got, was in the real bad car wreck back then? Thelma Todd? No. No. Um, no, she, um. No, it's, thought, uh, no, it's, it's uh, Mariska Hargitay's mom. Jane Mansfield. Yes, Jane Mansfield, yeah. Yeah, because there was always, I don't believe this was true, but it, they said that she was decapitated, but I don't believe she was decapitated at the scene. She was not. Yeah. Her wig flew off. Her wig flew off, yeah. But they right. always they always said she was decapitated, but. Happens to me walking up the road. And I'm pretty. Your wig flies, flies off. right off. All the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. she was, at the time, I guess she was filming a movie with uh, Clark Gable, Saratoga. Mm -hmm. Um. And then when she died, they were in the middle of that. So they had to do like long shots with a stand in to like, they finished finish the movie. And it was, it was a huge film. People went record numbered. People went to go see that. So I guess they did a good job with it. I don't know. That was my well, at least, at least she went quick, better than kidney disease. That'd, that'd be a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Well, it it's really sad that she had all this money and all this success, but she wasn't happy and she died so young. It's like, well, it seems that so unfair that she had access to all, you know, all of these good things and just did not have a happy life. Well, I think well, you she know, didn't have anybody that took care of her. She didn't have anybody that she could go to that she could trust. Right. You know, it's funny, though, you say she died young. But think back to the times. Her mom was only 34, and they told her she was too old to be an actress. 
So she was 26. She was she was about reaching the possibly reaching the end of her run because there was always somebody new coming in. Now 34 is just a baby. I mean that's right. not well 26. That's 26. You wouldn't even get a big pop to your you know 26, 27 years old now. Right, you're just coming into it. Yeah. So that's Jean Harlow. Yeah. That is. That and that wasn't there are no dead kids. Yeah. Not one. Not that well, she was twenty six. Yeah. Well, and just for the record, I'm not good, devil. <laughs> nobody still cares. That's there's a reason we didn't ask. Yeah, nobody asked me today, so I'm just telling you I'm not good. Nobody we know. My rheumatism oh, okay. has been flaring up. I had a stiff neck for the last week. So is that a euphemism? No, <laughs> unfortunately, it's no. not. I think I need, or fortunately, yes. it's not. I, I think I need to get one of those my pillow things because oh, I'm waking up in those. the morning. My neck's no good. Don't buy one of those. The guy that owns it's terrible. He's a terrible person. Well, if it makes my neck feel better, I don't care if it's I don't care if it's Stalin I'm buying the damn thing from. No, go to Kohl's. They're having neck... a big sale on pillows. I'm not going to Kohl's. I'm sure I'm sure your wife has Kohl's cash. <laughs> she does. I, you yeah. know, we went there one time and I bought a watch and it was, you know, some two hundred dollars or something. And um it was like two hundred and thirteen or fourteen dollars, so we got, you know, four Coles cash things. Then she bought other stuff and had to go to another register because you had to pay for it at the jewelry counter. And she felt like she had gotten cheated out of $10 in Coles cash because if oh. you added up the thir- extra 13 or $22 from my thing and extra 26 and 28 from her thing, she should have got an extra $10 in Coles cash. So we spent a half an hour at the customer service desk explaining why she should have got, and I offered her $20 just to leave the damn place. It was the principle of the thing. It See, is. People go you wouldn't know crazy what about those Coles cash. You don't understand <laughs> principles. Well, I just know I was tired, and I just wanted to go look at my watch. You're a kid. You're a child. You were tired. Well, I had my to go watch. home. I couldn't take my watch out of the box and put it on until we got out of Coles. One go home. So, all right. Well, Nina, thank you so much for filling in for Timmy. You know, this has been a much more pleasant experience. And have you noticed, Devil? We haven't really been at each other's throat this whole thing. Timmy pits us against each other. I think he does. Yeah, I think it's Timmy's. Do that. It's his Uh way of staying in power. Nina, divide and conquer. Oh yeah! Oh, Tim's manipulation. It is it's very shifty. Tim's a tyrant. So shifty. He is shifty, and he's tyrannical. He's really, uh, well, just a horrible person in general. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> I I would I would say that. Yeah. So, poor Timmy. Well, we want to thank you. When will we see again? Your. Um, don't Talk to Strangers will be making its second season um, appearance? Yes, like the week of December 10th. It's going to be a very short season. I think there's three episodes, so that's going to be, all come out in December. 
And then I'm doing a serial killer episode of Don't Talk to Strangers. I'm not a big serial killer person, but this one's super interesting. And that'll be out on the 15th. Perfect. Are we going to have a teaser as to... It is the Sunday morning slasher, Coral Watts. Oh, the Sunday morning slasher. Yes, he is the only known serial killer. Known. He was known to be a serial killer, and they paroled him. No Sweet. kidding. Yep, I shit you that not. That figures. And, yep. and did he do anything crazy after they paroled him? Or do we have to listen no. and find out? You have to listen and find out, but he was he was closely monitored after his parole. I would think so. Yeah. I would hope so. Well, thank you both for, for having well, thank me you. I appreciate it. And the cops are here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you got to run out the back door now. All right. Yep, out the window. Well, thank we you, wanna, Nina. We want to thank, thank everyone. You. We want to thank all of our listeners, yeah. our Patreon sponsors, and all of our listeners. Um, you know, we just had Thanksgiving, so we want to express how thankful we are for each and every one of you for letting us into your lives for an hour and a half every other week. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you so much, and uh, we will see you next time, I guess, on History Dweebs. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.